We are in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada at Tanaya Creek Brewery. Welcome to another edition of the Stoutcast podcast. Bob Moffat joined by Anthony Gibson, the head brewmaster and director of brewing at Tanaya Creek Brewery. And we have four lovely looking stouts to choose from today. Tell me a little bit about the operations. There was a move a couple years ago and there was a question about the water. Yeah, so we've been uh, in operation for just over 20 years now. Um, we were in our old location for almost exactly 16 years to our anniversary. We purchased our current property six years ago. And we've been in it for four years now. We just needed more space. We kind of changed our business plan from brew pub with a kitchen and full bar experience. So we expanded, took out the kitchen, started bottling operations, and shortly outgrew that. Our owners and myself looked for a property that was suitable for us, so we found this beautiful building that was built in 1954, which is rare in Las Vegas. People see buildings like that, and they're like, oh, look at that cool building. Let's tear it down and build something new, you know? So as you can see, Bob, plenty of space for us here. Dock high roll-up doors, just great for the team here to do what we're doing now. So back to your question about water. Uh, We have extremely hard water here in Las Vegas. At our old location, all we did was strip the chlorine out of it. Still made good quality beers, award-winning beers, but the problem was they would pull from different wells throughout the year. So our consistency was, you know, up and down. It's like a roller coaster. So coming down to our new facility, we knew we were gonna install a reverse osmosis system. That way we could turn around and add minerals back accordingly per style and keep our consistency, you know, where we want it to be. We have the oats out, we have the we have the Imperial Stout, and then we also have two from Mother Earth, both Imperial Stouts with different adjuncts. So we're going to start with the oat, so okay. tell me about that. Yeah, so it's called Holly Notes, you know, a, a little pun there. We no longer can it, but our artwork for it had a donkey with bags of oats on its back, so, you know, Holly Notes, there you go. Um, so it is an oatmeal stout. It's got about 25% uh, flaked oats in it, nice roastiness to it. And what we've done is kind of played with a different version of it every three or four brews. So we started off with um, our buddy's local coffee roaster. So we got 50 pounds of uh, coffee beans, um, infused that into the beer. Um, Then the next one was organic toasted coconut, which we ran with that for a while. And our latest version, which we will be drinking today, is uh, uh, milk stout, so it has lactose in it. And the version we are drinking is on uh, nitrogen also which is pretty evident just by the bubbles and the and the nice creamy head on it so what's the theory going into it with the oats what kind of oats what are you trying to get out of it at the end the oats lend a nice uh, mouthfeel to it kind of a creaminess to it um, the nitrogen pour just accentuates that we do offer this both on nitrogen and co2 so you get more of a what we call like a carbonic bite from the higher carbonation level um, but the oats just tend to give it kind of a slickness and kind of a creaminess to it just a nice balance if you think about some american stouts where or our imperial stout where it's upfront roastiness real aggressive uh, flavor profile um, this is just something where it's like a oh, nice nice upfront flavor and it kind of dulls off and then you're ready for another sip yeah, I, th- I think you nailed it there. And how do you feel about the stout cast prohibition on the term mouthfeel? Um, okay. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's fair enough. Um, um, yeah, it's the only prohibition we have against anything. But yeah, no, it's just uh, I don't know. It's just it's a thing like like when I I think probably because the first couple of people I talked to about were like about beer and about doing this were really snooty. 
and they just over the mouthfeel. And so I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to stay away from that yeah. one. But it's funny just because people come up. Now, one of the previous episodes, uh, are you wanted for anything? Any any legal uh, problems? No, okay. No, All right. Nothing I know of. One episode, we found out that Volmundenkeit uh, means mouthfeel in German. And so for that episode, we went with Volmundenkeit throughout. And uh, so in Germany, we're wildly popular. Yeah. All right, this is really good, and I really, I, you know, based on what you were going for, I think you nailed it. I love the nitro, got a nice clean finish, and, but you still know you're drinking, and you're still you're, you're drinking an oatmeal stout. Yeah, it's, I, I'm trying to find something wrong with it. While I'm trying to find something wrong with it, tell me what your thought is on nitro versus CO2. Do you have a preference in some styles as to whether it's nitro or CO2? I just, I always like nitro better, but that's just me. I like nitro better for porters, stouts, um, brown ales. Uh, our barley wine on nitrogen is phenomenal. I'll say that. Our imperial stout is really nice on nitrogen too, but like IPAs or golden ales or ESBs, just not a fan of, especially IPAs. We've tried it with our three IPAs that we make. It's just not a, cloud, a crowd pleaser, you know. It just dulls off those hops you're looking for in an IPA. So as many times as we've tried, try to force the issue it, it hasn't worked out well you know for drinkability for what you're expecting in an oatmeal for the finish and for what you're promising which we always give extra credit for you know do you deliver what you promise even if we don't necessarily like it that'll we'll jack it up with an extra half a grade I, this is really an excellent beer and we don't give out excellence very okay. often all right next up uh, we have the mother earth imperial stout with chocolate uh, cherries, yeah, so the, this one is um, Imperial Stout uh, with cherries and chocolate. And I believe that one was at 11.6%. Uh, okay, and what do we know about it? We just tapped them yesterday for a Mother Earth event. We did, we've done a collaboration with Mother Earth from Southern California about a year and a half ago. Um, so we're, we're friends with those guys, so we did a little four-handle uh, mini tap takeover last night, So which I wasn't here to try any of the beers. So. You going to try some now? I'll take a sip. Yeah. All right. And I believe both of these are barrel aged also. That is definitely barrel aged. So while I'm thinking about it, what's your favorite Hall & Oates sound? Oh, you have to come back to me. Uh, Man Eaters, one of my favorites. Our buddy around the corner named his, uh, it was uh, Oat. IPA, not a hazy, but it was open IPA, and he called it man eater because we took all the notes already, so it was pretty funny. We actually almost invited Hall and Oates to come by the brewery because they play here in town quite often, but you know. Why not? I said why not, but you know. I mean, you got space, have a little concert, a little a uh, little Hall and Oates, Hauling Oats, and uh, go for And it. it's Hauling with the G, so it's right. not like we're saying. Hollow notes. It's Holly notes. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. no, just totally. Yeah, yeah. No copyright infringement or trademark no. uh, restrictions here of any kind. This is really good stuff. Yeah, that's that's a very intense beer, but it's got a nice balance. Sometimes you get some of the uh, the additional flavors, adjuncts as we would call them, that kind of be overpowering. When we make our beers, whether they're our year-round beers or um, one-off beers. We want it to be noticed as an imperial stout first, and then oh, there's cherries and chocolate in the background. So beer first. Yeah, well, and I think that's what they got. I'm gonna take another one, but I, I really, the, I got the stout first. 
and then I um, and then I got the chocolate, and then I got the cherries at the end, mm-hmm. um, which is nice because sometimes if you get something that's way too fruity, then it just take like you said, it takes away from what you're going for. Yeah, and then I don't know. I mean, there's you know there are beers out there nowadays where there's probably four, five, six adjuncts in it, and it just becomes too muddled, you know. Um, now, we're, I mean, we've been doing this for 20 years, so we're a little old school in, in that sense, you know. Not that we haven't played around, but again, just getting back to, you know, whatever the base beer is first and then have fun with it after that. Um, the thing I'm not crazy about is that the aftertaste kind of, it lingers for a while. And it's, I'm not sure if that's the, it almost tastes like the chocolate, but. I get a lot of lingering barrel, you know, just kind of that woodiness to it. Um. But yeah, I mean, I still, I guess I can still taste chocolate as I sit here. Well, it's definitely interesting, and I'm not sure that we've ever had one with cherries as an adjunct, at least that was a primary adjunct uh, mm-hmm. previously. So yeah, I really, that's, I really like it at the beginning, and then, and then it just kind of hangs around too long, kind of like Uncle Fred when he came to visit, and like, mm-hmm. and now he won't leave. Um, but you like Uncle Fred, and Uncle Fred's gonna come back, and so, but so I'm gonna go probably good to very good on that one but it is definitely definitely interesting all right um and then we have mother earth the same we believe the same one but with uh cranberry and graham crackers that could be interesting so sort of like a s'more almost all right you first thank you definitely has like somewhat of a breadiness from it i would assume from the graham crackers That's pretty tart from the cranberries, and not in a bad way, but it's that's noticeable up front. What are your thoughts on um, pastry stouts? Don't like them. I'm not a fan of lactose, even though our Holland Oats has lactose in it. Most of these beers, even our beers, any of our big barrel-aged beers that we do, you can see our 15 barrels over there, five, maybe 10 ounces is plenty for me, and that's I'm good for the day with that, you know, so... They tend to have a lot of, a lot of residual sweetness to them, and I'm just not a fan of that, you know. Whereas they went, I, I really liked what they did with the chocolate and the cherries and how it kind of came at you, it waves. Yeah, this kind of hits you over the head with the tack hammer with the cranberries. Um, and I'm, it's almost, it's almost into like a wine or something else. I mean, I, you know, when I, when I drink beers or think of drinking these types of beers, I think of dessert beers. I mean, something like that with, like, key lime pie or something would be fun. You know, you get the tartness of the cranberries and then, you know, a little sweet tartness from the key lime pie. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know. Yeah, I'm, um, it's... a it, place for, for everything, <laughs> you know. I, I, out of those two, I, I would probably drink the cranberry one more. I think the barrel is less prevalent. And now, granted as I contradict myself, but you know, the, the, the beer is more noticeable in the cherry chocolate one rather than in the cranberry one because cranberries are there. You know they're there. I'm going to yeah. try a little bit. Sure, go. I, I, I got to say it's not up my alley. Um, I'm not crazy about really fruity beer just because it, it sort of reminds me of maybe beer that's gone bad or rancid or it's old or it's, uh, or what have you. And I, it almost tastes like it's, like to me it's there. So I'd, I'd go fair. It's interesting. It's uh, it's drinkable. 
Um, given that they were going for cranberries, I'm going to bump it up to good because, because you know, they deliver what they promise, which is cranberries and a lot of them. But yeah, for me, I like that. I like that barrel mixed with the adjuncts to kind of make a balanced beer. Mm -hmm. So you're getting multiple flavors. I, I like that a lot. And yeah, this is uh, this is definitely not in my wheelhouse. But well, that's the fun thing about well, food in general or anything. You know, everybody has their own uh, own choice and palate. And you know, that's what's fun to me. I mean, I don't sit down at the end of the day and nitpick beers and even though we've been doing this for a long time you know i mean if it's not good it's not something's wrong then something's wrong but um you know it's just it's fun it's fun to be able to try different different stuff and even if it's the same styles just from different breweries and you know i mean what are we at seven thousand plus craft breweries in the u.s now so there's many 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 options to choose from we are at uh well after this we'll be somewhere around the neighborhood of 160 so only 6,840 to go. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we're almost done. Yeah. I don't think you're going to catch up that train. It's, it's got a head of steam, so, which is good. I mean, I like to see smaller local pubs like you would back in the day, you know, where it's, it's your, you walk down and you have a pint at the brewery on the corner, you know, so obviously Las Vegas is a very different city than most. We have three opening up here probably within the next six months, which will put us at about 25, 28 somewhere around there which for our population is nothing you know if you compare it to say Denver or San Diego you know with hundreds of breweries but well we're not going to catch up but at least we'll as long as everybody's making good beers then yeah, that's all you can ask for finally the maybe the best for last we've already had I think the best at first but um, we have the Tanaya Imperial tell me about it what goes into it uh, the alcohol content uh, yeah, we've been making this beer for about 10 years now. Um, it hasn't changed much over the years. Uh, it is a very robust uh, imperial stout, lots of roasted barley, uh, chocolate malt, caramel malt in it. Um, IBUs are right at about 62 IBUs, so up there for a stout also. Um, the reason uh, I think most brewers um, have IBUs high on, on bigger beers like this, such as an imperial stout or a barley wine, is it kind of balances out the residual sweetness that's left over. And this comes in, this year's version, which we just canned this yesterday, comes in at 9% alcohol by volume. Tell me about the can. We've got a, uh, looks like a skull and a mountain or something behind that. I'm not sure what it is, but with the Tanaya Creek label, it's the sky is sort of a stone blue color with the skull and shadows. Who's the artist? Do you have a couple artists that you contract with? We do. Barrett uh, was his name. So Boulder City is a town uh, not too far outside Las Vegas or uh, Hoover Dam. Shout out Bill Millar, uh, Jason Gowdy, Jeff Millar. Sorry. And um, so uh, him and his dad built world-class mountain bike trails out there. And um, so this image depicts bighorn sheep that him and his dad came across one day building those trails. And when we asked him to design artwork for Imperial Stout, he asked if it was okay to use that. So it's kind of Boulder City in the background. And the, at the time, we thought, you know, that image is just so striking. We didn't need to come up with a fancy, clever name. So just Imperial Stout it is. And what's your theory on artwork? Is I just, I'm going to read off the, uh, what's on the can real quick. 
which his greatness will be remembered. This massive black beer with on-off white head is obtained by brewing pale caramel chocolate roast victory and black malts, a thick stick to your tongue. Body's balanced with a multi sweet finish and bitterness from Magnum Hops. Long live the king. Pretty simple. Um, that part of it is a little uh, rust colored label down at the bottom. So blue, tan, and rust with the skull uh, in, the, in the middle. I've seen a gazillion beer cans by now and bottles, and sometimes you have no idea what's in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, but man, somebody took a long time to write that or was really, really stoked. I have seen some long descriptions on bottles before and um, you know this this was our work from day one so we kind of just stuck with it with the wording our new can design it's um, a firm out of uh, Florida and is more of the imagery rather than the the verbiage on it so when that's that's a different artist uh, Kendrick Kidd is the artist that designed our year-round can wraps so different artwork altogether so yeah we, we have guest beers here in, in our fridge and I've seen some crazy labels uh, I'm getting a, uh, I'm not sure, I guess it's probably the malts. Um, there's no coffee in this, right? There's no, no. Um, but there is sort of a, I don't know what to call it, acrid, but it's, it's kind of a, so there's a little bit of bitterness there. Yeah, that's a combination of both, you know, I said like around, right around 60, 62 IBUs, um, then also the uh, roasted malts that we use. There's a, t there's a, a, a malt called a carafa. Um, it's kind of dehusked black malt, so you get color from it, but you don't get the harshness from the husks themselves. So that's kind of a balance between trying to get that roastiness, trying to get that chocolate coffee, and then obtaining that rich color. Well, it's it has a it has a very nice start. It's got a, it's full of flavor. Um, you definitely get that roastiness. Um, the aftertaste is nice in that there isn't much of one. Uh, it's dr very drinkable. I mean, it's definitely in the good to very good range. It's uh, it is a definitely a nice drinkable imperial, um, and I'd probably even bump it up, maybe even to very good. Um, so nicely done. And you can you probably notice just by drinking it, the carbonation level on this is is fairly low, which is kind of where you want to be, kind of where we want to be at least on bigger beers. You know, you don't you don't want to take a big drink of a nine percent beer and have that carbonation kind of just explode in your mouth. You know and you know, just, I think it just enhances that roastiness and kind of puts it over the top in our opinion. So that's why we keep the carbonation um, lower than any of the other beers that we produce. Interesting, it's a, it's a different theory that we've heard from others who, or they just haven't gone into that level of detail as far as that, so that's awesome, thank yeah. you. So where are you available now? What's the master plan? Are you gonna take over the world or are you gonna be content to local or region or? Um, we actually pulled back. We were in um, Arizona, uh, Southern Northern California, some minimal distribution to British Columbia. And we pulled back out of all those markets for many reasons, shipping costs, just being able to control our product closer to home. Our distributor here in the state of Nevada does a great job for us, so our growth is still close to double digits. So if we can do that and control you know, um, our, our product, we, we prefer to do it that way. So tell me about the reasons why you pulled out of those other markets. You got big enough where you could get into them and you know, some places would be like, yeah, it's great. Let's go, go, go. You know, bigger, 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 like the Lorax or not like the Lorax, but the, yeah, was it the Lorax? Was it the Lorax or the Onesler? I don't know. Anyway, yeah. um, so, um, but but you decided to pull back uh, and tell me why. 
There were a few reasons. One of them was just our feeling of having control over our products, sending beer out of state if we did not have a full-time sales rep there. It was very difficult for us to keep contact or keep an eye on quality control stored properly at the distributor, stock rotated at the outlet, beer lines cleaned every two weeks. So it became difficult for us to ensure that our product was the way us, the brewers, intended it to be. Even though if we say we have a shelf life of say 120 days on our packaged product, our cans, if it's not kept cold, that drops that shelf life tremendously. And then when we did have sales reps in our LA and Sacramento markets, still is difficult even when you have a sales rep because you have such a large territory. LA obviously being a, a gigantic section of the state, Sacramento, great craft beer town. Um, so it, it just became challenging. And like I said, if we can continue with upward growth and within our own state and, and be able to deal with uh, the distributor that we have here and our great relationship with them, um, you know, it just, it just helps us sleep better at night knowing that all the hard work that we put in uh, is kind of being rewarded in a sense. And then locally, you can have a better eye on what's going on, what's in the stores, what needs to be pulled, et cetera. And, I mean, brewery and, or like kegs and, and cans or bottles. Yeah, we try to establish, you know, the best relationship we can with all of our outlets, whether it's the restaurant on the strip, whether it's our buddy's bar down the street, and then they can give us immediate feedback, say there's an issue with the keg that that might have had a slight bit of yeast in it because we don't filter our beers, we can immediately take care of that. So both the customer that is trying to enjoy our product and also, you know, the account purchasing our product can be assured that we'll rectify it as quickly as we possibly can. So it's, that's, again, another good feeling of being able to, you know, nobody's perfect, so if there's any mistakes made, um, we, can, we can fix it as quickly. So if you're coming to Las Vegas, where are you going to find these? Our tap room, of course, but, you know, we're in all the major grocery stores and, you know, uh, Albertson Smith's, uh, we're in Lee's Discount Liquor, which is a local chain that has about 45 locations, um, Total Wine, Sprouts, various other bars and restaurants up and down the strip. That's Anthony Gibson. He's the man in charge around these parts, and I'm Bob Moffitt. want to thank you for joining us. want to remind you that the Stoutcast is available everywhere where you get podcasts. It's on Stitcher, it's on iTunes, it's on Podcastify. Wherever you found it today, we appreciate it. Uh, and we also remind you, if you are only a podcast uh, type of person, that we have the beer list and we have the best of list at stoutcast.com, along with a page for each one of the episodes, which has a rundown of the beers and what each one of our hosts and the brewers um, thought of each one of those beers. So I want to thank you again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time on the Stoutcast. <laughs>